1 Peter chapter 4. We're covering all of verses 10 and 11. Yep. I mentioned this on Thursday. How many of you guys know what I mean when I say bucket list? You know what a bucket list is. Okay, it's a list of things that you want to check off before you kick the bucket. Thursday, we began to talk about a bucket list that Peter uh, kind of begins for us here. Look at verse 7. Peter says, But the end of all things is at hand, so get your bucket list ready. Um, when he says at hand, it literally means uh, imminent. Now, there's a difference between imminent and immediate, right? Imminent means it could happen at any time. And matter of fact, if you look back at verse 5, you'll see it says that Jesus is ready to judge the living and the dead. Uh, he's not gearing up for it. He's ready right now. The Lord could come back five years from now, five months from now, five days from now, five minutes from now, five seconds from now. Yeah, I know you're checking. Okay. The point is, Jesus is re his return is at hand, right? Have you guys seen the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming back, so look busy. <laughs> now, that's not theologically the best. I think I would change it to this. Jesus is coming back, so get busy. That's one of the messages that, that Peter's speaking to us this morning. He says, verse 7, But the end of all things is, is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And first on the bucket list, this is just a review of what we talked about Thursday. Quick for you. First on the bucket list was uh, where it says serious and watchful. It actually is calm and collected, believe it or not. The end of all things is at hand, so chill out. <laughs> chill out, but he says do it by prayer. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Then uh, he next says in verse... Um, Eight, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Look, the end of all things is at hand, so make love job one for yourself, right? He says, look, you're called to be winsome to the whole world. We've talked about that a lot lately. But you know the best place to start to figure out how to love a world that's unlovable? Right here. The Lord has been gracious to give some of us those who are unlovable. To practice with, right? We, we mentioned again on Thursday, uh, you know how they have the signs that say, uh, you are now entering the mission field when you leave, right? Maybe we should have one that says, uh, on the way in, you are now entering God's love lab. <laughs> where you get to practice, right? And make mistakes, and, and you can be forgiven. Um, you are now entering God's, in the Old English, agape shape. Peter has a bucket list. He says, look, chill out. Don't, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Uh, stretch out. That word fervent love means to stretch. Stretch out in love. And then he says, be hospitable. Verse, excuse me, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Basically saying, be kind to each other and do it with the right attitude. Okay, that's where we left off. This morning, Peter continues the bucket list. He says, guys, the end of all things is at hand. So, chill out with prayer, stretch out with love, reach out to one another without grumbling, and here this morning, work out your gifts. Work out your gifts. 
Verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How many of you, when you were younger, were part of the gifted class? Raise your hand high. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. I'm not bitter. Okay. Uh, the Bible is actually very clear that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've asked him into your heart, if you have repented of your sins and said, Lord, take me, I'm a mess. If he's come to live with you, the Holy Spirit is now residing in you, right? And he did not come empty handed. He brought a housewarming gift, if you will. According to the Bible, everyone here, and I don't know your state, I don't know if you've given your life to him or not, but if you have, everyone that's in that category, I'm looking at one big gifted class. One big class of people who you've been given gifts, spiritual gifts, to glorify him. We have nowhere near the time to really teach you about spiritual gifts. But let me give you some homework if you're, uh, you're like, man, this is the only church I get homework. Here, if you want to read Romans chapter 12, talks about spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about spiritual gifts. And, of course, the, the main text is 1 Corinthians, believe it or not, chapters 12, 13, and 14 all talk about spiritual gifts. That's why we don't have, there's no way, you know, it takes me a whole hour just to do one or two verses. But if you want to learn about them, you can go to those places. Now, you may not know what your gift is, but if the Holy Spirit is living within you now, you have at least one, the Bible says. Before we get into too much more talking about this, let me give you a few other preliminary words, things to remember. Number one, a spiritual gift, the kind in, listed in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, 14. It's not something you can earn. And it's not something that you can learn. You can't earn a spiritual gift. It's just because God loves you. Matter of fact, look at the verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. It's not something you earned. It's just something that he gives you. Okay? So you can't earn it. But number two, you cannot uh, learn it. You cannot learn a spiritual gift. They are given to you supernaturally. Now, here's the thing. You can learn to work them out more effectively and that's the journey that we hope you might begin today is to get plugged in and, and give the Lord a chance to show you where you're gifted. But you, you can't earn or learn them. Uh, for instance, none of us can learn to, to uh, give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. You don't learn those things. They are given to you as gifts. Okay? One more thing of many, I'm sure. That there's a difference between a spiritual gift and a talent. You guys know the difference? Um, a spiritual gift, again, is this supernatural thing that only believers possess. But a talent would be something that was given to you when you were born, whether you're a believer or not. Right? So uh, there, there's a whole room full of talented people has, as well. Uh, but primarily, I, and we're going to sort of talk about both, but primarily I think uh, Peter's talking about spiritual gifting here. Um, so the, the, the Holy Spirit has given each of us uh, these gifts. And Peter says, 
You are gifted. Jesus is coming back. So get busy. He says, I want you to work out your gifts in light of the fact that the time is short. And I don't know if you guys get this, that sense, but I sure do. I really get the sense that time is short and the Lord is bringing people out from everywhere. I'm not sure where you're all coming from, but it's good. And I think that the timing of this, by the way, I didn't plan this message for Servant Opportunity Sunday. The Lord did it. It's pretty cool. He's, he's up to something and what we want is to follow Peter's command. Okay, Lord, I don't even know what my gift is, but you show me. Help me to know where it is that you have me fit in the body. Okay, I'm, I've got an outline for you if you're interested. Or even if you're not. i got four S's for you. Number one, we are gifted to serve each other. Number two, we are to be good stewards with what we've been gifted. Number three, we're supposed to operate within what the abilities, the power that God supplies. So we've got serve, steward, supplies. And lastly, who's, who gets the spotlight? The Lord does. Okay? We're gifted to serve. We're good stewards. We only do it with what God supplies, and it's God's spotlight. All right, you guys ready? <laughs> it's about the same reaction I had at the first service. <laughs> All right, gifted class, listen up. Lesson one, why have you been gifted? Is it to show all of the rest of us how amazing you are? How great you are at certain things? So that you can go, hey, look at what I can do. Check this out. Well, not according to verse 10. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. And this will bring it into perspective very quickly. The word minister is diakoneo. It's the same place we get the word deacon. A deacon is one who serves. Um, the, literally, the translation is to be a servant and attendant. The, the picture of, um, if you go to a restaurant, the, the person that waits the table, that takes your order, right? The, the humble servant um, who hears the commands and humbly follows through. This is the very first thing you need to know. Your gifts and your talents, for that matter, are not for your own amusement or for you to show off. God has given you these gifts with a specific mission that you might serve, it says, one another. Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Again, the concept comes back to, this is a love laboratory, right? We should be looking around going, okay, here's, I, got, I know that the Lord has given me this talent or this gift, this ability. Who in the body needs this? How can I fit in where the Lord would have me? Peter says, humbly serve one another with your gifts and talents. See, what happens is, and I've seen this. matter of fact, I can give you an example from just yesterday. Um, how many folks um, knew about and were able to come to the, uh, the thing yesterday? I can't think of even the name of it. The Children's Ministry Prep Day. Thank you. A few of you. Awesome. Um, I got a couple of reports that it was just awesome. So many people showed up and it was such a, a fun thing to hang out, to get to know each other, but actually get something done as well. When things like that happen, when we really like being together and we serve together, 
People notice that and they notice how odd it is compared to the way the world is, right? In the world, it's like, I don't have time for that. I've got, I got to do my own thing. But here, it's like, wow. They, they actually enjoy one another's company. They enjoy working alongside one another. When, when that happens, you know what Jesus says? Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus says, I, I'm sure, I'm so happy because, what did he say? He said, by this they'll know that you belong to me when you love one another. Right? So, First um, Corinthians chapter 12, you're going to, uh, again, I'm not going to go there, but you're going to want to write it down and check and make sure my facts are straight. The reason I'm not going to go there is because I would promise you I would spend three hours teaching from it. Okay? But here's the gist of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is chewing out a group of believers in the church of Corinth. Okay? Um, he's reading them the riot act on a lot of things that they're not doing so great. And his focus in chapter 12 is, is this, concerning the gifts. Because they were going and they were saying, wow, look at me, look at uh, my amazing gift. I want to show this off. Okay, is it my turn? Okay, it's my turn. Now I'll show off. And what he says, it's brilliant. He says, guys, Think of the church as that which it is, the body of Christ. It says, each one of you is a member, and each member has a different function. So a lot of times we'll look and go, okay, I'm, I'm an ankle. Man, that, that eye, he gets all the glory. <coughs> Stupid eye. Paul's point is, guys, we've got to think like we are one body because we are. Guys, we need each other. Right? The eye needs the hand. The hand needs the foot. I've used this illustration before, but lots of you are new, so I'm going to use it again. Um, what if your eye were to say to the rest of your body, I don't need you guys. I'm good. Pops out of your socket. Yeah, the visual is good. Um, rolls down the aisle. Goes out the, uh, the foyer. Somehow gets in your car, starts up the car, goes. It won't be long before two things happen. That eye will die because it's cut off from the rest of the body, right? And the body will suffer. That's Paul's big point in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are so many of you coming lately that... I'm hoping that that's not an exhortation for you. Hopefully you're not thinking, uh, well, I'm just going to leave the church. Um, Calvary Chapel was my last hope, and, and it's just like all the rest of them. Those people are messed up. Well, you're right. Um, hopefully that's not the admonition for you today, but, but think of it this way. Wouldn't you also have a lot of troubles if every member of the body looked and said, you know, I'm not gifted the way that guy is, so I think I'm just going to shut it down. I'll just, you know, I'll show up because I'm supposed to, but I'm just not going to do that which I'm gifted to do because, you know, it's just it's not the glory job or whatever it might be, right? Maybe you're the toe. And you're, you're thinking, look, I am not gifted like the rest of them. I mean, I'm in this sock. My job stinks. <laughs> Peter says... By the way, in the same text, he goes, look, when the, when the non-glorious parts hurt, we all hurt. 
And what he says is, look, no matter what your job, you're, you're particularly suited to do something. Time is short. Peter says we need all of the members to be doing what they're, they're blessed to be doing. What actually energizes them to do because God has made them that way. Now, maybe, you even, maybe you're thinking right now, well, I, I'm tracking with you philosophically, but honestly, I can't think of one single gift that I have or an ability. Um, we, had, we had a spiritual worksheet that we were thinking about handing out. We decided against it for a few reasons. And it occurred to me that you know what the really best way to discover your gifts is? To do something. To sign up at least for something that like, well, I might not be good at this, but at least it kind of excites me, right? At least there's something that I'm, I'm interested in. What you'll find is that you may have a few false starts. You might uh, just think that you're perfectly suited for this and it turns out you're not. So what? Right? But to be discovering your gifts and then operating in them is what Peter is calling us to do. Okay? Um, verse 10 again. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Quick reminder, this might be an application for some of you again. Uh, what's the context of this, this letter? Who's Peter writing this to? A church that is being persecuted. Some of you are paying attention. Sweet. Peter's writing this to a group of people who are, are struggling tremendously. And yet he says to them, guys, now's the time to use your gifts. Because what happens? I think when we, when we tend to struggle, right, we're going through something, what we automatically go is, I'm just going to back off a little bit, Right? And I'll get, I'll get these things sorted out and then I'll begin to serve. I think Peter is saying, you know what? The way you have that whole joy in jail thing, the way you have that whole peace in prison thing is by ministering within your gifts to those around you. Right? And that just makes sense too, just logically, right? What's the best way to get out of your own pity party? Is to minister to others. Okay? So, gifted class. Number one, you are gifted to serve each other. But number two, you have been gifted, Peter says, so be a good steward. Do you see it? Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold. It means of various sorts, right? Um, all you manly men. <clears throat> manifold under the hood of your car. Distributes something somewhere, right? <laughs> Mechanical gifts are not my not my gift, <clears throat> but I, I, I assume it means that, right? It, to distribute something, right, uh, of many things. So what he's saying here is, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the really amazing, multicultural, multifaceted all shapes and sizes, all kind of colors, that kind of grace of God. You see it? And what does that mean then if that's true? The, the word grace, let me remind you one more time. The word grace, charis, it's the place, same place we get the word charisma, which is uh, up earlier, gift. Grace means this. Beauty, sweetness, charm, undeserved favor of God. What Peter is saying to every gifted person who will listen, look, you've been given a portion. It, yours might look completely different than somebody else's. 
If you've been given a portion of that amazing multifaceted gift, are you doing your part? Are you sharing that gift for His glory? If not, there's a portion of the grace that God has given you that you are responsible for. Because the word there uh, in the same verse is steward. Do you see that? You know what steward means? It's also a slave. But a steward is a slave who has been uniquely trusted, entrusted with something. Um, this is the definition. The manager of a household or household affairs. Uh, a steward would, would be one who where the, the, the master would say, okay, uh, we'll call him Stu. <laughs> steward. <laughs> Stu. You're in charge here of these things, okay? I'm the master. You don't own any of it. But you're in charge of it. You're responsible for what happens while I'm gone. Right? That's a steward. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Very familiar portion of Scripture for many of you, I think. Matthew 25... We're going to begin in verse 14. We're going to learn about stewards. This is a really long portion of Scripture. I'm going to try to uh, comment minimally and ask the Lord to speak to you mostly. Here we go. Matthew 25:14. Jesus speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. See it? Meaning, this is, Jesus says, This is like a a master who goes and he says to all of his servants, right here, I'm I'm coming back. I'm entrusting you with some things. Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Remember that, by the way. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Spend 2,000 years. After a long time, the Lord came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. They both get the exact same reward, right? It's like, well done, awesome. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, verse 24. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, already in intimating something about his master that he thinks he knows, Right? doesn't have the best opinion of his master. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not gathered scattered seed. So you ought to, and I would put, at least have deposited my money with the bankers. 
And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's lots of lessons in here. Um, Again, I would take too long if I were to begin to delineate all of them. But here's the ones for today, I think. Number one, the Lord is coming back. He is ready at hand. He has entrusted you, if you're one of his children, he's entrusted you with unique gifts and talents according, it says, to your ability. You know that he's not asking the same thing of you that he is of me? Probably asking a lot more of you because maybe you have more ability. According to, he knows you dearly. He knows everything about you. He's not asking more of you than what you can do. But he is looking for a return on his investment. So Peter says, get busy. And here's another lesson from that same parable. I think you probably saw it. Use it or lose it. The five used it, doubled for the master. The two used it, doubled for the master. The one, nah. I know him. He doesn't. He doesn't really like me anyway. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna bury this thing. Use it or lose it. Maybe some people this morning need that exhortation. Maybe you've been telling yourself, "I'm not gifted. There's nothing special about me." The the Bible argues with you and says, "Look, you've been given a gift, and or a talent. At least a gift and a talent." What are you doing with that gift? So maybe some need exhortation, but I felt like the Lord also wanted me to speak to you because we have an awesome church where so many are, are uh, serving. And here, let me give you a, an asterisk here as well. In a message like this, you can get really careful and it can, it can seem to be that, that I'm saying, you need to be serving in this church. No, no, no. You just need to be using the gifts that he's given you in whatever forum he's given you to do, right? Especially like if you're, if you're here for the first time, you're not even sure you want to stay here. Maybe I ran you off. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, no matter where you're from, if you belong to him, you need to be using those gifts that he's given you, okay? So that, that's your exhortation. But here's encouragement. First um, Corinthians chapter 4, you might want to write it down. Because there's some people here today, I bet, that you feel like a failure even though you're not in the Lord's eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is one of uh, some of my favorite verses. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Let me read it for you. Paul is writing. He's been, these same Corinthians, one of the things they've been saying is, well, Paul, he's amazing when he, uh, what is it? I think he says he's amazing when he writes. I can't remember. Anyway, they're comparing, yeah, amazing when he writes, but not so amazing when he speaks. Um, comparing him to Apollos and uh, kind of creating division. Paul says in chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, to these guys, because what? I kind of don't care what you think. <laughs> he says, you know what I really care about is what the Lord thinks. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 reads this way. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards, there's the word, of the mysteries of God. We've been entrusted with something. Verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards, and this is the key point for some of you, 
It is required in stewards that they be found faithful. He says then, verse 3, but it's, with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or a human court. He's saying, you know what, I'm not putting that much stock in what you think. Here's the point. It is required that a steward be found faithful. Notice it doesn't say fantastic. It doesn't say flawless. It doesn't say to be the most amazing person that the world has ever seen. Just faithful. I've shared this concept with a few people lately, but sometimes I think the Lord is just wondering, are you committed to the process? Not, are you perfected, but are you committed to the process? It's just required of a steward that you be found faithful. And there are so many here that are faithful. And maybe you're, you're thinking, man, I could have done this better, I should have done this better. Relax a little bit. It's just required that the Lord says, just that you be faithful, not that you be perfect. Okay? There's a lot more in there, but that's the gist of it. To think like a steward. And your only question is, am I being faithful? Am I using that which he's given me for that which he's, he's impressing me to do? Not what Pastor Doug thinks I should do. Not what any of these other folks think I should do. But am I being faithful as his steward? Okay? So, review. Gifted class. You guys probably don't need review because you're gifted. All right, yeah. Number one, gifted to serve. Each other, right? Not yourself, but each other. Number two, you're supposed to be a good steward. Just be faithful. Don't bear your talents, but invest them for growth, for His glory. Right? So that you can be your little section of the manifold grace of God. Number three, third S, God supplies. Peter's point next is going to be, look, when you operate in these gifts, pretty much whatever you do, just do it in the Lord's strength. Don't, don't try to do it in yours. Verse 11. He says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. If you look at the list in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the list of spiritual things, they pretty much break down into two categories. One is speaking gifts. So that's the ability to teach, prophesy, whatever it might be. Something with your mouth, right? And one is serving gifts. That is to do more like, you know, lifting and moving and, and doing things um, that are less talking, right? And more walking. Um, obviously, we're, we're both called to... to have the spirit of both, but some of us are gifted in, in better in one thing than another. Let me give you some examples. Again, as speaking gifts would be teaching, praying, counseling, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of those things, uh, speaking gifts. Gifts of service would be more like gifts of help, hospitalities, benevolence, those kind of things. Um, like I said, mostly the, the emphasis is on spiritual gifts, but Today, maybe also for you, because maybe you're like, I have no idea what a spiritual gift I have, but what about this? What about a talent? Because talents kind of fall in the same categories as well. Meaning you may be gifted at singing, or you may be gifted at speaking, or the thought of speaking up here might send you running from the room. But maybe you're like, you know, I just want to be the, the quiet person who puts papers away, or uh, puts stamps on letters, whatever it might be. Peter's point 
is that no matter what you do, number one, all of it's important. It really is. I, start, I don't want to take the time to, to express it all to you, but I've just been really impressed that if you take any one thing that, that you guys do um, out, of, out of the mix, somewhere it's all going to fall apart. It's really amazing. Uh, even, like, like we said, even the thing uh, yesterday with cutting pieces out so that what? So that teachers can bless kids. So therefore, by I think it's a transitive property, you are blessing the kids. You see it? Um, but Peter's point is this. No matter whether he's called you to show your gifts speaking through your mouth or through uh, your hands and feet, do it with the ability, it says, that God supplies. You see it? Um, let, let's talk specifically about both of these things real quick. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Uh, that's kind of an odd word, but what it really means is to uh, speak with authority, the authority that comes from God. To speak with the same authority, same fervor, same attitude, but especially the same source that all of those Old Testament prophets spoke with, right? That the... Um, that Paul, that Peter, all of these folks, he says, look, if you're going to speak for the Lord, make sure that he's there, that he's with you, that he's empowering you to do so, right? This, I don't know if this will help you or not, but for me, this is, you know, obviously is super applicable for a pastor, right? Look, Doug, if you're going to speak, speak as the oracles of God. Here's what I think he's saying to me. And you guys can eavesdrop, okay? Doug, I want you to prepare. And I want you to pray a lot. And then I don't want you to worry about it. I think he's saying, Lord, Lord is saying to me, look, once you step up in this pulpit, let me do my thing. And we pray that. I don't know if you noticed, but you've been here a while. You probably hear that coming out of my lips all the time. We pray that all the time. That the Lord... Because he loves you guys. He has something for each one of you. That's the thing that sustains me. Like, I don't know if any of this is any good. The Lord says, look, they're my people. I love them. Let me talk to them. I guess I think, I don't know if it was the beginning of this service or not. This shows you how scatterbrained I am. But the Lord can use fools. We're going to see that. <laughs> You're like, we're already seeing it. Um, that word unction, it's a really odd word, right? But what it means is to be surrendered to let him do that which only he can do. It's the difference between supernatural and natural. And there's a huge difference. So Peter says to pastors, to Sunday school teachers, to anybody who's willing to let their mouth be used by him, look, when you deliver it, you pray, you prepare, and then you let me perform. No apologies, no dithering, all of that stuff. You just let me do my thing, okay? That's what he says to the, the speakers. But look at verse 11. Uh, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God, though. If anyone ministers, again, diakonos, that is, serves with their hands, feet, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Here's the thing. I think when you're like me and... and Okay, there's going to be a hundred-something people listening to me today. You tend to rely upon the Lord, right? Okay, Lord, this is really going to go really poorly if you don't show up, right? But when you diakonos, when you serve with your hands and feet, sometimes we're like, I got this. this is just, I'm, all I'm doing is moving chairs. 
all I'm doing is, you know, wiping down this or that. That's not what Peter says. He says, look, whatever you do, whether it's wiping down tables, pushing a broom, whatever you do, do it, it says, with the ability which God supplies. How awesome would it be if every single one of us who hopefully will stay for the, this event, you learn about what, you tell people what you're interested in, you get contacted, you kind of start to get plugged into something, you find out if it works or if it doesn't, uh, you, you stay relaxed through the whole thing. But what if, whatever it is, once you finally settle in on something, every time you did it, you were praying. Like if, if you were uh, cleaning tables, Lord, someone's going to eat. It's one of your kids, or maybe someone who doesn't even know you is going to eat at this table soon. Will you bless them? Will you give them what they need? If you're ministering to children, Lord, would you give me the eyes to see those kids, what they're going through? Will you give me the right questions to ask them? And, and when they give me a clue that something's not right, will you help me to know how to minister to them? On the worship team, we pray all of the time that... God would empower us to play well. Not for our glory, but for His. Right? Um, if you wonder what goes on in that back room back there, it's like, you know, the mystery room. Um, we're, one of the things we're doing is, Lord, minimize our mistakes. Help us to, to just do what You want us to do, that You might be glorified. We're trying our very best not to do it in our own power. Um, Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone uh, ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So um, we got we got three things covered. We're covering the last one now. You all are gifted. Yes, you are. Gifted to serve. You're supposed to be good stewards. You're supposed to do it with the energy and the abilities that God supplies. And here's the fourth one. Who gets the spotlight? God. It's God's spotlight. Because he says, do these things uh, in the middle of verse 11, that in all things God may be glorified. Matter of fact, let's, um, I think I've shared this with you before. The word glory, glorified, easy uh, vernacular way to remember it is spotlight. Okay? Um, let's read verse 11. You guys just read the word glorified or glory. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified. That is, that he, the spotlight might be shown on him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory. The spotlight belongs on him and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, here's the thing. It's possible. It's very possible. It's actually easy because we're fallen creatures. It's our default, I think, to serve the Lord with our gifts that He's gifted us in such a way as to say, Look at me. Look what I'm doing. It's possible. But Peter says we're supposed to serve in such a way that the whole world goes. Look at Him. Look at Jesus. Right? To shine the spotlight where it belongs. This comes back to Joe sharing with you during the announcements. From Matthew chapter 5, I think it's verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify you. No. They see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. <clears throat> 
He says, verse 11, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the spotlight and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Y'all, this is exactly, I mentioned it before. It's really brilliant when you think about it. This is exactly why God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. So that when you are operating in your gift, it's supernatural. Everybody looks at you and goes, really? That guy? It must be God. Right? Welcome to my world. And, and listen, this is huge. That's why it's so important to be humble. To walk humbly before your God. Some of the times when I'm in the pulpit here, I am self-deprecating, right? Um, don't talk maybe the best about myself. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is because it's true. But here's the other thing. I have discovered God is serious about this. I'm going to use fools to confound the wise. I know by the word and by experience that God uses fools. And I want to be used by God. Let me, that's the, the positive way to look at, at maintaining a humble stance, a low to the ground stance. Let, let me give it to you in the negative. If you want for God to quit doing the supernatural through you very quickly, all you have to do is start thinking that you're good at whatever he's gifted you at. Right? That it's all about you. If you begin to spout off your resume, your qualifications, how good you are suited for any particular thing, I promise you the Lord is going to shut you down so fast your head's going to spin. Now, it occurred to me as we were driving up this morning, you know, you, some of you might let, be left with the impression, well, is God like a spotlight hog? <laughs> well, no. He created you, number one. And number two, if, if the glory really goes to you, then everybody who's enamored with you, aren't they going to find one day that you're actually human and that you fail them? God will never fail them. So he says, don't, don't try to get in the spotlight. I'm gifting you so that you can be blessed, but you get out of the spotlight. Let him be there. Again, uh, I'm just looking for examples, ways to make it real to you. On the worship team, back in that... Mystery room. We pray all of the time that God would make us invisible. We, we ask the Lord to make our, our abilities good, um, to make, minimize our mistakes, not so that we would be great, but so that we would be invisible. So that everyone can enter into the Lord without distraction. Right? Application, as we're getting ready to close here t- today. Maybe there are some here this morning who you need to humble yourself. Because the Lord is faithful. He wants to use you. If you don't humble yourself, He'll do it for you. Humble yourself and remember where the spotlight goes. In my scripture reading this morning, the Lord's doing it every single week now. This is awesome. He showed me the place where James and John have their mom come up and say, Hey, we want the best seats in the house. In the, in the new kingdom, right? 
can we sit in your right and left? And uh, Jesus says, that's not mine to give. And then he proceeds to, to tell them, he says, look, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's Jesus' point, right? Look, if, if you want to be on this team, you need to be thinking humbly. You need to be willing to, to have your gifts used, but then not take that glory, that spotlight from Him. And, and I just want to close with, with this. Again, today we're calling the Servants Opportunity Sunday, and then the ongoing ministry is going to be called Servants Opportunity to Shine. Now, if you look at that the wrong way, that's not cool. If you look at it, ah, oh, here's my time, my chance to shine, look at me. Nope. If it's your chance to shine a light back to Him, then that's when He's going to say, yeah, I found somebody. found somebody I can use. I found a fool whom I can use mightily. Because Jesus said, Matthew five sixteen, let your, your works shine before men that they glorify your Father who is in heaven. Y'all, I am excited about what the Lord is up to in this body with whatever time He's given us left. And I think Peter's saying to everyone who will listen, look, we need to be working on all cylinders. We need to be uh, using the gifts that he's given to us for his purposes. Time is short. Let's, let's just read verses 7 through 11 and we'll close. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Job 1. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And as each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory, the spotlight and the dominion forever and ever. And the whole church said, Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the faithful saints, Lord, who have come this morning. Lord, I pray that you would minister as only you can do. Thank you for the power of your word and that you have met some, I'm sure, um, right where they needed to be, Lord. And I know that you, you desire to do that with all of us. Lord, help us to have hearts to hear and uh, hearts to obey. Help us, Lord, to be more and more conformed into your image, Lord. You are Lord of all. You're in charge of all. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to, to hold the spotlight this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.